welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Let's turn to Ephesians 2 real quick. I love Ephesians, especially love Ephesians 2. I read it a lot. We are on the topic of apprehending our destiny this year. We're just focusing on that as a tribe. Got ourselves all scaled off last year. Remember that? How we were all just blind or in bats. Just kidding. None of, none of us, right? But this year I... I felt like the Holy Spirit, as I've been mentioning, really wanted us to focus on why you're on the planet. I know you thought you were on the planet just to work somewhere and earn some money and live in that cool house you live in. But no, au contraire. There's much, much more. And so I'm, I am methodically going through some attributes of your destiny that you're going to have to have as a as a constant would be a good word. You know how that in life, you know, you fast all night while you're sleeping. Most of us don't get up and eat. Right? And then you fasted all night, however long you were in bed, you know, five to 12 hours probably. (laughs) Trying to catch all the people. Got my five-hour people, and I got my 12-hour people. And then that next morning you arise, and your body's doing a funny thing. A lot of us reject it till noon, and clearly you cannot think during that entire period of time, but you've got to eat at some point, unless, of course, you're fasting or something. You've got to eat to function. And so our spirit man is very similar, that it needs... Even though I believe personally that the Holy Spirit is communing with you during the night, still in your waking hours, you need to fill it with goodness, right? Have you ever been at work and you didn't think about God for like 30 minutes? Okay, well, maybe three hours, I don't know, however long, whatever, however much of your brain. And then all of a sudden he comes to your mind, And you're like, wow, I haven't been thinking about him, but I wonder what's on his mind right now. Does does anyone else do that? No one? Just a couple? I think the Holy Spirit would love to teach us, I'm trying to teach the worship team this, that if they're in their head during worship, in other words, if they're like thinking, well, I wonder what we're going to sing next, or I wonder what the beat is, or I wonder if we're going to do this, the more that they're in their head, the more they're not listening to the spirit realm because they're listening to their realm. That's sort of the way it is in life, that the Holy Spirit, the supernatural realm, in my opinion, is the superior realm to the natural, but it takes some training to even know how to operate in the supernatural realm, this superior realm where the Holy Spirit is speaking and doing things all the time. He's, he's, he is... You know, just like I said, Shudi had woke up with this thing about carpal tunnel. Well, then, you know, Pam and I own this construction business, and so we've been doing this for 30 years, and so I've been training them. When you go to somebody's house 
It's an opportune moment. It's a kairos moment. It's a moment in time that will never be repeated. Now, see, we go to a lot of different people's houses, and so she goes to somebody's house, and I love the Holy Spirit and how he works through her because she went up to the husband and she said, hey, do you have pain? He's like, nope. That's okay. That was just the open door. That doesn't deter her. Most most of us would be like, oh, dang, I missed it. Okay, let me just sneak out the back door. But she's like, she began to go, well, that's great. That's awesome. And then what did he say next? My, My wife sitting right here beside me is falling apart. Clearly, she needs some of what I have brought today. See, what we have to remember is that just because the guy said no doesn't mean anything. See, we can't put that in the miss category. We're so fragile. We're so fragile. Aren't we fragile? Come on, admit it. You're fragile. Because she knew that she knew that she heard something. If it ain't him... Maybe it's the dog. Maybe it's the, uh, whatever. It's the kid. No, it's the mom. The mom has, now it's a target of what? Of God's goodness, of his healing power. And so she just began to release. I can't wait to hear the stories. It might be three years. You know, when they call us back to paint the bedroom. Do you understand? It might be three years, but see, we're going to hear of God's divine encounter with that family because why because someone had enough gumption to say got pain today don't have pain but i have a multitude of diseases well okay just my little word was wrong have you ever asked them i remember that's another time that she went to um poblano's you know it's our favorite restaurant and now that we can taste again um (laughs) But remember, she asked the lady if she had back pain, and she said no. Then remember what happened? The lady was looking for her to come back because she really did have back pain. She just said no. See, we can't be fragile. We just have to know what we know that we know that he said. See, that, that's really what a good prophet is. But anyway. That was all free. Let's go. Are we in Ephesians, everyone? I love Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 2. Let's start there, shall we? Verse 10, one of my very favorite verses. We have become. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Who's the we? Who's the we? Who's, who's us? People who know Jesus. Why? Because he's the door to everything. This is in the Passion Version. You can't get better than this right here. We have become his poetry. Do you not love that word? His poema. You're God's poem. You are God's poem. That's pretty cool. Do you love, I've always loved to write poetry. Anybody like to write poetry? Anybody at all? Just a few people. I love that. What is this? Just kind of this way of expressing how you feel about something. That's God about you. You're his poem. You're his way Test that he wants to express to the world. That's why you need to wear that shirt. Because you need to express to the world. Right? We, we're an expression to the world of what... I love this. It's so good. We have become his poetry. A re 
created people that will, this sounds pretty definite to me. You've become it and you're going to do this. That will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. Is that solid? It's in the word. If we can be solid about it. Now, he created a destiny in you. If we can be solid about it, then we could be about the Father's business of perfecting it. Because yeah. yes. the cool part of the way, the way God designed things is that you came to the planet with a destiny and an unknown ability to do it. Cool. Isn't that the best God ever? You have no idea how to do your destiny, so you got to hook up with some destiny trainers. Don't you love that about God? It's the same way with your job. That's easy. When you went to the job you have now, how many knew everything there was to know about the job that they were on? Absolutely, probably not. I remember the first time Pam and I did crown molding. So crown molding is this, is this beautiful trim that goes around the top of a room. I don't know why we need that. But we like it because we make a lot of money sticking a board up on the ceiling. I don't know why someone designed that, I guess, to hide that ugly crack. We don't care. But the very first time someone said, hey, I need crown molding, we put baseboards on the ceiling. Beautiful plan. And they loved it. They were like, this is, these girls are all the bomb. And we did it hand nailing it. And they loved it, and it was Hunter Green, I'll never forget, in More America. And that lady was a Mary Kay director for the Southwest region of Oklahoma, and she told everyone she knew about us. We didn't advertise. We've never advertised still yet. We've never advertised. Everything's word of mouth for this ugly baseboard on the ceiling. What? That... <laughs> Who would recommend people that do that? <laughs> because, see, it wasn't about the ugly baseboard that we put up. It was about us. Yeah. Because we, we were fulfilling. We were his poem. We knew her for 30 years almost. She would call us back every time something would happen in her life and call us back when her husband died, call us back when her mom died. We were always there doing other stuff besides crown molding. But then I remember a day that someone over here in Heritage Hills in the $2 million house called, and they wanted some crown molding. I don't figure they would have been happy with baseboards. <laughs> so Pam and I did what everybody that knows anything, we went to YouTube. And on YouTube, they demonstrated a 14-piece crown molding. That's what they had in Heritage Hills back in 1909 when that house was built by the first national bank manager. Just a little trivia for you. We were in that house, and they said, we want to duplicate this crown molding. Now, we had advanced. We had our big compressor. And our nail gun by then, now, you know, we have no, we just, we don't need any of those compressors. We just have the gun. It just has a battery and it just shoots it. It's the perfect thing. But we didn't have that back then. And so, see, what happened was we needed training. 
We didn't just arrive and say, I wonder if I can just stick this baseboard up here and they'll be good. Can you see, can you translate this information into your spiritual man? Your spiritual man is so hungry to express itself to the world, whether you know it or not. You know, Chrissy is such a good example. The girl used to work at a place where people would come and they would have all kinds. I remember when she told me, I don't know if I can work here anymore. This was way back in, I don't know, what was it? When did you first come here? 2000. Okay, way back, a few years ago. She was like, I don't know if I can work here anymore because these children are coming in with these different, it was a, it was a place where they did trials with drugs. So they would give you a pill, let's say, and then you're supposed to report back how you're doing on that medication. That's the trial. It was really scientific. And, and there, was, there was something else brewing inside her spirit that this, this place where she was at, this job she was doing, and, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but that was not going to be satisfying anymore. And so she, it, it caused her, she wrote about it, that it caused her to look for the more. You know, when we're talking about the more, we're singing about the more, it's different for everyone. Your more might just be you want to own your own house, but somebody else's more might be they want to have a really good relationship or they want healing in their body. I mean, your more is different. And see, whenever we realize, listen to this, the rest of this scripture. Let me start over again because I love it. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. That's the reason. If you've accepted Jesus, you're joined. You're in a club now. I'm going to talk about covenant in a couple of weeks. But I love, I, I just jotted down real quick today this the meaning of covenant and the, the definition of covenant is a disposition. And I had to look that up because I had another definition, but it says the way in which something is arranged. That's really, see, that's what a covenant is. We've, we accepted Jesus. And so we stepped into a new covenant and in the new covenant, it's an arrangement between two parties. He said, I will come and fulfill Papa God's heart, and I will become the sacrifice for sin. So you don't have to go and kill a goat when you get home later. Okay? And then I, I believe that. I believe that that's the plan of God, that he loved me so much that he gave Jesus to die for me. And I believe that. So then I come into covenant. I come into agreement, and I, and I say to him, I confess you as Lord and Savior, and I receive you as Savior, and forgive me of my sins, and poof, magically, everything you've ever done wrong is forgotten by God because of what you believe in your heart. That is an unbelievable plan to me. But see, that's the first step. We don't want to just get saved every day. We're saved unto a destiny. And so then I've entered into an arrangement. That's what a true covenant is. It's an arrangement between me and Jesus. 
me and Jesus, we got ourselves an arrangement. And see, that's what he's talking about. Let's go back to our verse. For it says, even before we were born. Do you remember that day? Do you remember where you were born? I was born at 3.30 at Baptist Hospital here in Oklahoma City. 3.30 in the afternoon. That's my, but before I was born, hmm, where was I? What was I doing? Before you were even born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. I love that in the Passion, his little commentary says, these good works make up our destiny. As we yield to God, our prearranged destiny comes to pass and we are rewarded for simply doing what he wanted us to accomplish. See, that makes life so cool to me because then I get to learn what he wants me to do. See, we all come with a bunch of stuff we want to do. Honestly, if you really dissected your choices, most of it comes down to not experiencing what you didn't like when you were a kid. That's what we've reduced life down to. Well, I don't want to, my parents were divorced, so I don't want to have a divorce. So you either say, I'll never get married, or I've got to marry the perfect person. Good luck. You're going to marry someone just as perfect as you. It's a beautiful thing. Right? And see, and then and you throw religion on marriage, and then you got to stay with abuse. You got to stay, you got to do all this crazy stuff because you got married. Right? It just becomes insane. And so then. Every decision you make takes you further and further and further and further away from your destiny, from this thing, because we're making choices and decisions not based on that I'm a poetry, not that I'm a poem, but based on, well, I, don't, I fear that or I fear that. I'm going to work here because I'm afraid I'm going to be in the hovel down there with Keisha in the box. Uh, we're, we're making all these decisions based on our own fears and our own apprehensions instead of an actual destiny, purpose, outline, pre-decided by God. Yes. And see, that's the beautiful part. And I, I wanted to read this little snippet from Jeremy Riddle's book. I've been reading it. And it's called Reset. I've mentioned it a few weeks ago, I believe. Let's read chapter four. He says this. Is the, the name of this chapter is called Becoming Wholehearted, W-H-O-L-E. There's a glorious life God designed you to live. Great first statement, isn't it? Do you believe it? Yes. See, let's stop there. <laughs> if you really believe that God has set up this wonderful life for you, and you're not experiencing wonderful, adjust something. Yeah. It's that simple. Make an adjustment because he predestined it for you. He says, a life of immeasurable freedom, joy, and deep communion. A wholehearted life. I love how he says that. A life where every part of the masterpiece he designed you to be 
fires together in a powerful unison of singular purpose. Sounds like the scripture, sounds like what you're singing about an undivided heart to me. Singular purpose. God designed you to live whole, W-H-O-L, not H-O-L-E, W-H-O-L-E, before him, undivided, completely and utterly given over to one thing, one glorious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot. Don't you love that we believe in the Trinity? Otherwise, what what is that other guy doing, like in the non-Trinity places? Where, what, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Jesus, the one thing I love about Jesus is he said, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit, the animator, the paraclete. Not the parakeet, but the paraclete. To what? To walk alongside you, to direct you. That's why we want to give him honor and we want to give him some space, some time. We want to give him some acknowledgement. It says, a life where his rule and reign and his authority in his word, his affection and love reside in you without conflict. Just think about it today. I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking, I'm working us toward talking about full surrender. What's in conflict to that? I love, he said later on in the book that the only people that can res, be resurrected are those who died. I would, I would think that we should have taught everybody to hurry up to die. Run quick. Run, run quick to die because then you get this resurrected thing. And it's full. It's the same power, it says, that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in this mortal body. How in the world? That's by a design divine plan. The, the, the divinity of God designed exactly what we needed as humanity for us to have this incredible experience in life. I love life. I, I'm freaked out about how good life is. It is so good. When I hear that Shooty went over the other day and she prayed for somebody with carpal tunnel, said what well, went to somebody else's house and prayed for all kinds of stuff over there. I can't even remember what all was. Why? Because I just sent them out. Under the guise of tiling. Yeah. Going to tile. <laughs> Why? Because he said to go out there. I love in Matthew. I got to jump over here real quick. Don't We got to go back though. Don't forget us. I love this. Listen to this. In Matthew 7, this is where Jesus sent out the apostles. I don't have time to read all that, so you read it. But listen to what he said. As you go. Are you going? Are you getting up and going to work tomorrow? Anybody? Let's see. No, you're at work every day. Anybody getting up going to work tomorrow? Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Okay? You get up out of bed, shake off the... (laughs) And then this is what you're supposed to do. Preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. Do you realize people don't know that? I just talked to a lady the other day, Friday, who said this to me. My mom gave me this book on fervent prayer. And did you know, it's the first time in my life, and she's probably in her mid-40s, I don't know. She said, I didn't know I could just pray for stuff. Wow. 2021, people. Didn't know I could pray for things that had to do with me. She said, I thought that'd be selfish. 
I was thinking, wow, I'm just trying to get some people stop praying for themselves. And <laughs> no, I'm just. We don't have that problem around here, right? What is, look, the king, heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. It's a, he, verse 8 says, you must continually bring healing to the lepers, to those who are sick. You must, this is what you're doing. So if you arrive at work and you got a headache, it's not you. Just try it, just try it for fun. I know you want it to be you, but just, just to try. In February, my, my mandate in February is at 2 o'clock every day. February is number two, right? At 2 o'clock in, in February, we're going to be taking an assessment of our day. At 2 o'clock, hey, how did I do today? Did I, is the kingdom realm accessible to anybody around me? You must bring healing. You must heal those that are sick. It says, and make it your habit. This is my favorite one. To break off the demonic presence from people. Woo! Now see, they don't even have to know. Have you ever been hanging out with someone at a meeting? And you're like going, hmm. They've got it, some sort of presence. And I don't think it's Holy Spirit. Anybody? Anybody been in a meeting with that? Anybody? We go to people's houses a lot. I can tell. You know, one of the things that is really interesting is that if you're dead and you've been resurrected, you can tell who else is. I was telling Chrissy yesterday, it's kind of hard for me to get really close with people who haven't died yet because all I want to do is explain to them how bad they need to die. So it's, it's, not, it's not really, we're not tied because the, what I'm really saying is they have not accepted Jesus and they've not surrendered their life. So my message to them wants to be, hey, Jesus is the answer, right? Yeah. I'm not mad at you, but we're probably not going to be as snug as you want to be because, I, you know, just we're not flocking together. We're not birds of a feather. We're not alike. And so, see, whenever, whenever someone's actually experienced this death and resurrection, you can just tell. I mean, when you say, hey, let's just worship God, I mean, of course their hands go up because dead people don't care what they look like. <laughs> right? I mean, if somebody, I mean, it's just the truth. Listen, let's keep going. Break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Isn't So I love it because in the Passion it says, cure the insane. So that, that gives us a little insight from God's perspective that if someone is struggling in their mind, they have some sort of demonic presence. Why don't you just try this? Let's just do an experiment, okay? Do you have anybody you work with that you wish was a little different? That you wish, what? maybe it's you, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I don't know we got to make sure we're good now. Okay, this is only for the good. I mean, so just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, what is oppressing them? Just It's like a three-letter, three-sentence prayer. What's oppressing them? And just listen. He may not tell you right then because, you know, you may not believe him. But I bet, I mean, the Holy Spirit wants you to know. Because if you're hearing me right now, you're realizing that tomorrow at work, you could change the whole environment. Or you can go to work going, man, I don't feel good. Like, oh, we had this guy that worked for us one time. 
And, um, and it was way back, you know, 20 years ago. And he was a teenager and we were just helping out his family, letting him work for us. You know, we've had everybody in the world work for us, you know, just trying to help him out. And so I would be like, okay, be ready at 10. Cause that was his, that was like his seven. Okay. So 10 and I'll be by to get you. You don't even have to have a car, but eat you some beef fast. Okay. But no, no. 10 o'clock. Oh man, I just, I just got out of bed and I, okay. Would you like something to eat? Because I know you've been fasting all night and that's my favorite meal breakfast. So I'm like, everybody needs breakfast, right? That's when we, our brain starts working. And so we would go by, what do you want? I want a donut and I want a seven up. So we'd be like, we did that two times. Anyway, <laughs> so we go by and we get a sugary donut and, and a 10, 27. He's like, oh man, I need to go sit out in the car for a little while because my belly's hurting. I was like, no, it's just donut day is over. Now we're, we're going now to Hardee's. We're getting us a biscuit and we're getting us some eggs and bacon and cheese and something that, you know, that, that was the kind of worker. See, he couldn't even stir. Do you see what I'm saying? We've got this thing called life that we're to stirred well with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and listen what it says. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom. So freely release the power of the kingdom to others. Do you possess the power of the kingdom? That's really the question. And the truth is, if you know Jesus, you have it. You know, I have this new car and it has one of these little remotes. And it also has that same thing on my phone. So I can start my car right now. And I have on accident, started it in the garage at home until I realized I wasn't driving that day. I have this power. That's power. That I don't have to be there. Come on. I do not have to be there. I do not have to be in the presence of my car. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I don't have to be in the presence of that person to use my power because my power is of another realm. I don't know how in the world this thing talks to my car when it is in Edmund in the garage, but it does. You don't have to understand how it works. You just have to believe it does. You don't have to go around and check if all your prayers are working. I love, I heard this lady the other day saying, we have filled the bowls and now they're tipping. We, we've done it. Okay, well, let's move on to something else. Let's fill the bowl about something else. How about some freedom for some people? There's a lot of people shut in, a lot of people afraid of COVID. Are you? Are you afraid? See, you've got to understand you're dealing with stuff that people are dealing with. That's, that gives way to the demonic. It gives, it's oppression. It's fear. All fear is of the enemy. God does not use fear. Perfect love casts out fear and God is love. That's the, that's some sort of math equation. So it says freely. Have you freely received this power? What did you do to get it? You just said, I accept Jesus into my heart. 
bam. As if you've never sinned and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. How good are you at wielding the sword of the Spirit? How good? Do you even get it out of its sheath ever? Just walking around on your side. Dang around hitting people. It's meant for power. This power is not control. This power is not lording over people. This power is not anything but to change people's lives. Listen to this. He says, you won't need a lot of money. Travel light. You don't even need to pack an extra change of clothes. Trust God for everything because the one who works for him deserves to be provided for. Are you going to work for God? I love Revelations. It says Jesus is coming back, my paraphrase, on his high horse. And in his hand is going to be his reward for those who have done the works of Jesus. That's what he was saying. I love, if you keep reading this, this is we're still in Matthew. This is just extra. It says, if anyone doesn't listen to you and rejects your message. Anybody ever had that happen? Now listen, we can't be fragile. I just said we can't be fragile, right? Remember my 12th man story? I have to tell it again. John Paul Jackson was the one that told the story. He's in line at the grocery store, and he sees another shorter line. Do y'all ever do this at the store? I just like I decided if I pick a line, I'm going to stay in that line. And so what he said was he was looking around because he was in a hurry, and he heard the Holy Spirit say, stay in this line because the cashier is going to accept Jesus when the 12th person comes by. And he said, you're the 12th man. See, you don't know what number you are. You don't know what number you are. You might be number one. They might accept Jesus on number 37. And you're number one. You know, we don't have to hit a proverbial home run every time. Listen, if someone rejects your message... When you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a prophetic act that you won't take their rejection or rebellion with you. Did you hear that? I love in the Passion, he said, historically, shaking the dust off one's feet when leaving a city, it said it was the uncleanness that could also refer to any bitter response or rejection that they've experienced. They were to shake it off before they got their next assignment. Did you hear that? Have you ever been rejected? Do you still remember it? Well, you forgot to shake it off. You're taking that bitterness to your next assignment and you're adjusting what you do during your assignment based on what someone did before. Let's just do let's just do a little group sozo. Say, Papa, I just shake off that stuff off of me that someone didn't receive who I was, receive my message. I will not take that with me to my next assignment. Can you see how you've done that? See, when the Holy Spirit reveals to you, yeah, you're kind of stuck. Just shake that off. Just say, I cut that off in my life. It doesn't need to be permanent. Okay. That was all extra. Let's go back to the book real quick. 
So I'm talking about a wholehearted life, right? It says, remember, it was a life where his rule and reign, his authority and word, his affection and love reside in you without conflict. That's where I stopped while ago. What creates, and I was talking about it earlier, double-mindedness is rough. Anybody ever had it? I love Pam. She gave me a great analogy for this the other day. I maybe even mentioned it on Wednesday. But one of the things that we do is we tile showers. Now, the old school way is you've got to make a shower pan. Just giving you all a little construction 101 today. And you have to get this mud product and you pack it down with this stamper. Stamp, 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 stamp. And you got to do this thing called a slope. Because why? When the water comes down the walls, it hits the shower pan. You want it all to go to the drain. Well, historically, there's a lot of bad shower pan people, installers. So then you have what you call some swells and dips. And so when the water comes down the walls, it gathers over in the corner in a little puddle. So then you got to get a little rake and you got to rake that over to. Now, if you have a good slope, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Gwen has no idea what we're talking about right now. But see, what happened was we did her shower this one. But what happened was in the last couple of years, they came out with a new system. Now, see, we did the old system for 25 years. And so here came someone, a little sales guy, and he says, Hey, I've got this new system. And in this system, no stamping, stamp, 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 none of that. You just install this pre-made, pre-sloped, fancy-dancy thing. (laughs) Now, the cost is in the product. I don't know if you're following me yet. See, the supernatural has a system. And I propose to you that most of our double-mindedness comes from trying to use the old products in the new system. See, the new covenant is a system of living. It's a plan. It's got attributes in it that is a system. Just like if you have a car, you can't put peanut butter in the gas tank it's a that is a system that system works with gas or diesel or whatever it's a system you don't override the system none of us try to put peanut well i don't know i did put diesel i mean regular gas in a diesel one time but we did drain that thing before we drove it (laughs) at least we had that that gallon of gas cost seven hundred dollars but We didn't run the engine. Now, that's just my one story of the diesel mixture. It doesn't work in a gas tank. Those systems don't work. And it's the same. Please hear me today. The kingdom of God is a system just like that. You can keep sticking fear and false beliefs and a worldly logic and an even atheistic logic in that system, but it will never run. The kingdom, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else I say today, the kingdom of God does not work with mixtures. It just doesn't. We don't expect that of other stuff. You know, the Super Bowl is going to be played next week, 
And nobody's going to arrive there with a baseball bat going, we're okay, baby. Where are we going to? Can I just say go Chiefs? Sorry. Anyway, uh, sorry. Anyway, I don't know. You, you don't know about him, do you? Okay. Anyway, read last year's, then you'll know. Um, but see, that we, they, we apply this to everything. We work within the system that is actually there all the time. And so listen to keep hearing me what he's saying. So his authority and word, his affection and love reside in you without conflict, without rival, without interference. I propose those are the three areas you got to check. Do you have conflict or rival or interference? See, if you knew that your spiritual gift doesn't work if you listen to worldly music, let's just go there. Your spiritual gift, say it's a pure gift, it's, it's a childlike gift, and you stick worldly music in there just of sorrow and, you know, done me wrong, that begins to shape your spirit man, and it, be, it swivels it up, and it gets really tiny. And then you start protecting, you do that self-protecting thing. I can't let anybody get close to me because that song, that somebody done me wrong song is going to happen to me. He keeps on going. He says, the wholehearted life is unequivocally the best life. There is not even a distant contender. And he said, but if this is true, why do so many of us live in such a different reality? See, that. There, a lot of y'all in here have learned and been healed and gone through a whole lot. And so you don't live, you live in the reality of wholeheartedness, but you're going to encounter people that don't. You can tell by what they're saying. Every person in the world loves to reveal their fears. They can't help it, especially to someone that looks like they don't have any. Have you ever heard that? Well, how are you? Why are you so happy? You know, our little boys here, they wrote the Hope song last week. Got on there and recorded it and sent it in on their talent show from school. Well, Breezy was telling me that another little girl that was younger, what, third grade, you said, or something? Third grade, nine, ten? She's singing all about how cruddy 2021 it was, 2020 was and how depressing it was. And I got the boys on here singing about hope. Now, that's a contrast of systems. I mean, do you not immediately just kind of feel sorry for that little girl that wherever she's living, they're not singing about hope. And here we got the boys with new keyboards and new guitars, and I mean, they're just like, man, rocking it. Right? See, that's a, that's a different reality. He he said, why do so many people live compartmentalized, fractured, or conflicted in dualistic lives? Why why does it take so few, sorry, why do so few take the path to becoming wholehearted? And this is what he said, I believe because one significant obstacle stands in the way, our death. Your death. Do you remember when you died? How many remember when they died? You would know if you've been if you died. You would know. He says becoming wholehearted 
requires a death, and we resist dying. And full surrender is required, but we resist yielding. I love this topic of pure worship. It's not about a song service. It's not about us coming up here and singing to Jesus, although it could be. But it's like I say all the time, it's every place in your life that you do everything as unto Him. Every place. Do you serve your roommate well? Do you serve your wife or husband well? Do you serve the people at your office well? Do you, are you, you're, not, you're not a rescuer either. See, we've got to remember there's a balance of the kingdom. See, we've got to remember we're not doormats. We also have authority. I love the kingdom of God is like a good golf shot. I mean, you just have to have all the stuff going for you at one time to actually hit that little tiny ball. It's kind of the same way. There's adjustments all the time needed. The, this life of Christianity is not the coasting life. It's not the lazy life. Let me just share a couple more things. I'm almost done. He said, when I read the Gospels, he said, I read that Jesus means to surrender everything. I want to ask us today, you know, in in light of this amazing scripture in, in Ephesians, where he says, you've become God's poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill your fulfill your destiny. Think about it. Where is it in your life right now? Where is it? Is there anything that has been held back? Is there anything that you've been injured in or you don't trust in or you've had disappointment in? The enemy is all the time throwing all these obstacles and arrows. The Bible calls it fiery darts. He's always shooting things at you and he's always trying to get us to be offended. He's always trying to get us to be hurt. Why? To seclude our life into alonement. Because why? Jesus said to go. I love what Bill said on Wednesday. If you've experienced his presence, you have to go. Because you have to share this experience that you've had with somebody else. You have to. If you jump on down in in, uh, Ephesians, he says, look at you. Look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to Him through Jesus, and you've actually been united with Jesus. Listen to this. He says, Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us, and now we've been made equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of His precious blood on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has been repealed. Who is the condemning voice? It's never been God. It's always been Satan. (laughs) It's always been. 
He's always been the one. He's the accuser of the brethren and the sistren. He's always trying to get you to remember some horrible thing you did in the past that's already been covered by the blood that Jesus doesn't remember anymore. And see, when we get caught up in that trap of remembering those past things, we become double-minded about our destiny. The purity, this pure worship is saying, there is nothing in my life anymore. I've accepted Jesus. There's no sin anymore that could cause me to be condemned. I, it has been washed clean from my life. What would you look like and what would you do if you believed you've never sinned? Because that's really what Jesus' plan did. It said, you can live like you've never sinned. Everything that you confess and everything that you repent from and you turn away from becomes removed from your life. We don't have to keep bringing it up to God. You see, sometimes we spend so much time regurgitating all of our past that we don't actually get training for our future. And I just think this is the season that we're at, we're actually reaching out and saying, I am here on this planet for a reason, and I am going to figure out why. I'm going to reconstruct these gifts in me and change these things in me and the way I believe in me so I can apprehend all that He has made me to be. Because, see, He made us to be delightful. That's what Christy's going to come and tell us about. So come on, Mendel. Awesome. Awesome. Don't you think that if everybody could hear these messages, if they could hear what the gospel is actually all about, about living the kingdom life, that people would just flock to it. I mean, they would just run to it. It, it sounds so good, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like, why wouldn't you want that? But, um, you know, sadly, I think one of the reasons why God has been sort of given a bad name has a bad rap in our society and lots of societies is that people don't do the step that Tisa was just talking about. They say they're Christians. They say they've said the prayer, but then they don't actually ever get to operate in this kind of power because they don't do the step that's required before that operating in power, which is the laying down, the dying part. And so it's the covenant with Jesus. It was designed a certain way. So it's it it operates a certain way and so you know that is a, a, one of the biggest tragedies of all humankind i think is that so many people have given god a bad name because they aren't actually they're not actually living this life they're not actually um falling in love with jesus and laying down what they thought of their own to live his way and to receive him his way so um it's it's a huge it's a huge step that we, of course, have to live by example. And we, you know, I heard um, Bill Johnson say the other day that our measure of influence is directly related to our measure of hope. Our level of influence is directly related to our measure of hope. So even on this subject, but on all subjects, your level of influence in the people that you're around, out in the community, at your home, wherever you go, is directly related to your, your measure of hope. And so where do we get our hope from? It's Jesus, right? It's him. It is by knowing him, by having him in our hearts. But knowing about him is different than knowing him, right? That intimacy with him. 
And he's actually invited us into an intimate relationship with him, not just a head knowledge. And so that intimate relationship with him is actually what helps us with the dying process. That, that intimacy and that love affair with him is what actually gives us the courage and the power and the motivation to lay down our own way because we actually experience that love with him. And so it all goes together in my mind. It, you can see how it all connects back to that intimate relationship with him. And because it's from our hope or from the love we experience with him that we get the hope and then the measure of hope that we carry out into the world actually directs our influence in the world. So I, the one thing, I, one of the things that is, you know, so awesome, uh, Tisa mentioned it earlier, that Jesus actually left us on earth, right? He left and ascended into heaven so that we could have the Holy Spirit, so that we could have the Holy Spirit because he's the comforter and he's the counselor and he's the one that helps us renew our mind to be like Jesus's. And so God is so good because this whole process, he works alongside us, he works with us and he counsels us and guides us into the death process so that we can lay down. And so, um, you know, this word that I have to read today is, uh, Tisa referenced it the other day, it's called pure delight. And um, this is an invitation, and this is a word about this work that, that he's been doing along the way to help us surrender even more. And, you know, I just I have to say there's another whole word that I'm tempted to read, but I, I'll save it for another time, that he's really been highlighting to me the sacredness of his invitations to us. You know, he invites everyone he, he, he invites everyone, but after you've already entered in, there's, there's new levels and new depths that he wants to share of his own heart. And he does this, it's such a sacred relationship with him that he does so in, in measures, so to speak. It's not something he just willy nilly throws, throws around because it's so valuable. It's so sacred, the love that he has for us and that he wants to share with us and that the power that comes with that is so sacred that he invites us in different levels at different times to greater measures. And so even these songs we were singing today, it reminded me of this encounter I had uh, a while, a couple weeks ago, where I saw him, he was opening the door just a little more. And it was a carefully planned romantic gesture. Like he was saying to me, you're ready for a little bit more of me now. And I just know that's what he's speaking over us. He's inviting us into a greater level. And so I just had to say all that to preface this word. I'll go ahead and read it now. He said, daughter, son, for so long you have been unable to imagine the freedom that I have granted you to simply delight in me and be delighted in. You were taught a language that only had words relating to production and accomplishment. You only spoke and only understood this language. You came to me with it, carried it with you, because it's all you knew. I have slowly and methodically been stripping you of its vocabulary and replacing it with my own. I have been introducing you to the language of pure love. Pure love. 
You see, it came first. It came first. What you were taught was secondary. You were robbed of this first love language. They failed to teach you of its foundational truths that all else is built on this. So, my daughter, my son, I've been clearing you of all the ways that secondary language has sown itself to you. I've been pulling each thread out, removing every splinter of its existence from your mind, your heart, your soul. I promised to restore you. I promised to have you all to myself, and that's what I've been doing, because I am the promise keeper. I'm the one who keeps going in this promise, even when you don't understand, even when it seems cruel or unrelated to what you thought I said. You see, you have been torn for too long. Your attention, the allotted amount of your own heart that you've given permission to see, speak, feel, act on, has all been limited. It's been limited by the secondary language that you thought was first and foremost. This false narrative that you thought I was speaking. This false narrative that you thought was the foundation for all things. And Papa said, I won't stand for it one more day. I won't stand for this position to remain in you, in your heart, in your functioning. I gave you a true foundation to live from. I gave you the fullness of true abundance, and I can't stand to see you limited from it anymore. I can't stand for you to think that that is what I promised, what I provided, that it would be the road that I came walking down with the more, with my power and my glory. It isn't the road that I'll be walking on, and I didn't want you to miss it. I couldn't stand for your precious heart to be hidden behind that door any longer, looking for something to come of that false floor. You are too precious to me, too precious. I've been clearing the way. I've been making way for you to fully access your own heart so that it can meet fully with mine no longer distracted or pulled away pulled away by what you thought was the greater and more important thing. I've watched as your heart yearned for me. I've watched the way it tore itself away to tend to responsibilities and obligations. I felt your love for me, your yearning for me. I soaked up every drop and I grieved each time that you felt you had to turn the spigot off. I'm sorry for the pain you felt. I'm sorry for the piercing and pressure that came from that false narrative. I understand why it felt that way to you, and I'm sorry. But daughter, son, there's so much more for me and you. There's more for us, for us together. I needed to show you. I needed you to open your heart up further to the real main thing. I didn't want you to miss it. All will be added to you from this place. 
It will be the abundance you've asked for and searched for, I promise. So allow me to show you, allow me to give you this gift. I release you today, right now, from the tethering of that second language. I speak a release over you from all that it said. I speak freedom over you now to operate in the language of pure love. I'm bringing you into the freedom of pure delight. Pure delight. Pure, meaning nothing added, nothing taken away, nothing lacking. It's pure. This is your season of introduction to pure delight. Experience the purity of my delight in you. Experience the purity of delight in me. This is your focus. Undistracted delight. Pure delight. Delight in me and experiencing my delight of you. So again, this goes along with the messages we've been getting. The key to all that your heart yearns for, all that you received in hope and promise when you first accepted Jesus, is this purity of delight, just truly delighting in him with no distractions. Delighting in him, that's the pure worship that Tisa's been talking about. It's a purity of worship, undistracted. So he's telling us that you're released right now from whatever that language is for you. There's language is different for each person, but it's a secondary language. And just recognizing that and acknowledging that today, you can experience a release from that. You can, you can experience a release from that. He's saying, I've been working alongside you. I've been working in you, whether you understood it or not. I've been working in you to free you to come to this place of a pure relationship with me, of pure delight in me, pure worship, undistracted. So he's saying that's our focus is pure delight, pure delight, the purity of just delighting in him and who he is, and experiencing his delight back to you. Just like Aaron said today in worship, it's a two-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation. I want the more, and I want the more. We're saying, I want the more, and he's saying, I want the more of you too. And this is a a sacred invitation that's not to be taken lightly. So, Papa, we just say thank you today. We thank you for all that you made possible in your kingdom. Thank you for that you sent your son to die for us and to wash us clean and to invite us into this partnership with you where we walk in your power and authority on this earth. And we just say we don't want any partial covenant with you anymore. We don't want to operate in partial experience or just in part of all that you provided. We want to operate in the fullness of all that you provided and in the purity of all you provided. So thank you for working in us supernaturally today to release us from the language that distracts us from the one main thing. Thank you for releasing us from that today. We say we receive it We receive that gift, and we believe that it operated in us today and that it's operated in power and that we are free today in this moment to move forward into a deeper level of intimacy with you, a deeper level of delight in you and experience delight in you and your delight in us. 
So Jesus, we say thank you for opening the door, just swinging it open a little more today for us to this relationship with you, this depth of a romantic love with you. We won't take it for granted. We will, we will treasure it and cherish it just like you tre- treasure and cherish it. It's so valuable. So we say thank you, Papa. We say thank you, Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. And we say your will be done. Your will be done in us and on earth as it is in heaven. And we say yes to you. We say yes to you from the deepest place in us. We say yes to you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.